Welcome to another Able Voice Podcast Debrief with Haley and Kim. Hello, hello. We're so excited to bring these debriefs back because we've had so many positive, positive reviews and, and feedback that everyone's loving these little chats that we have after inviting fabulous guests <laughs> to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about episode two and three in season four. (laughs) So of course, in episode two, we invited Pam and Alan, um, who are on the committee for planning the World Congress of Music Therapy. That's going to be happening in beautiful Vancouver. I'm so excited to go to the conference. But if I wasn't before, this episode definitely made me even more excited. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, I I mean, you know me. I love all things conference and Congress and just chances to be in a room with other music therapists. So I was already stoked. But getting to hear um, Pam and Alan talk about it and everything that has gone into it and all the really diverse and unique ways to get engaged, I think, is going to be really interesting to see, you know, it's not just, um, going to, to see keynotes and breakout rooms, which are already fabulous enough. There's so much that we can get involved with. I'm starting to puzzle how the heck I'm going to actually choose to engage. (laughs) That's the thing, right? It's like, there are so many wonderful opportunities afforded because of this world Congress ways to get engaged near or far. And I think that's what makes it so special. Yeah, I I think so too. I think, I mean, it really takes into account the fact that we're all so different and we all choose to digest content in different ways where it just resonates with us differently. And so the fact that there's like a whole week of things to do, you know, I know for myself, I, when I'm at the CAMT conference, usually even then, like there's so much jammed into a couple of days and I still need a chance to just, you know, go and enjoy the location of wherever it is and just take, you know, some breath and take in the scenery and take in what that region has to offer. And so the fact that there's not only so much content in the Congress, but it's also in such a beautiful location and in Canada, which feels especially um, special as a Canadian. But yeah, yeah, to know that you can go and enjoy those things and also that I'm, I don't think I'm going to feel, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later after the Congress, but I don't think I'm going to feel like I'm missing out on important content by also getting to enjoy the location because they've done such a great job at highlighting some, um, you know, some socials or some things that we can see or having some speakers that are going to have virtual content available that I can really watch or watch for the first time or 
yeah, check out the posters. Like, what the heck, man? Yeah, that was really cool, the format that the posters are going to be in and the way that we get to engage with the researchers. Um, it's really special, I think, that it's being done this way. I don't think I've ever seen or heard of poster presentations happening in this like interactive way. Me neither. I'm so excited about it. It's so innovative. And I know that was obviously, um, you know, that's a buzzword for the Congress, but I really, truly (laughs) think they've done it. Um, And I'm so excited to see it because, you know, I've seen poster presentations throughout the pandemic being done virtually, but it's usually in the form of like, you know, a Zoom call or uh, like a a slideshow or something like that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you know, it, it, you'll be able to see the full poster. You'll be able to like almost 24 seven, be able to reach out to the researchers themselves and have those dialogues on our own time. Again, as we all choose to navigate the Congress differently, um, throughout the days. And I am excited as, um, I get to be a part of one of the poster presentations with, um, uh, a research study I did with Amy Clemens Cortez, and so and um, Hope Pasco is uh, involved in that as well. And so I'm excited to see from that side how it operates. And I'm, I hope we get some comments because I'm definitely going to want to be chatting it up with people. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so exciting! I'm sure lots of people will be engaged. My mind is still blown at the like scale of what this Congress is going to look like. I've only ever been to a national conference or a regional conference. So Mm -hmm. when you talk about inviting the world into this space, how cool is it going to be for you as being someone that's part of a study to get feedback on that thing from around the world? Oh, totally. In my head, I just can't even wrap around what it's going to feel like to be in a space with so many music therapists um, because it's going to be bigger than anything I've been used to in terms of conferencing. Same. Like I, I, same here. I've only been to a regional or national conferences and, you know, I go to the CAMT conference and I'm overwhelmed. I walk into the room and I'm like, ah, oh, there's a hundred, there's, there's so many music therapists and people who get what we're doing. And to not only walk into a space where there's so much more to offer in terms of content and variety, um, but then, like you said, to get those different perspectives from people across the globe. Like I anticipate that I will feel momentarily overwhelmed, but like the best kind of overwhelmed. I mean, speaking of that feeling of overwhelm, the last conference I went to was the first one we were able to do as Mm -hmm. uh, an association after COVID. So I hadn't been in a room with that many people in like two years. (laughs) So the feeling of being in a space that is so inviting but also has so many people that are wanting to join and wanting to be there. I can understand if that is a feeling that maybe um, brings about hesitation in someone of wanting to Mm -hmm. register for the conference or even trying to figure out what the best option for them is in terms of whether they want to do the online program or be there in person. Um, And I think no matter how you choose to engage in the conference, the important thing is engaging in the conference, whatever makes you most comfortable. Um, 
there will be, I'm sure, lots of parameters to help us feel safe in those environments. But it's really hard as we've learned to navigate the ups and the downs and the ebbs and flows of this ongoing pandemic. (laughs) And, you know, the emotions that surround what we've all lived through as a collective. Yeah, you're definitely right there. I think there are going to be a lot of mixed emotions and mixed experiences as we all, like you said, continue to navigate this. It's still present in our lives. And especially when you're looking at doing a global conference, people coming from all over the world, um, it's different in in different situations and it's different timeline-wise and different with um, the scale of what people have experienced. So I totally resonate with what you said, Haley, of just, you know, the important thing is that you choose to to engage in the Congress and how you choose to do it is your prerogative. Yeah. And I know Alan and Pam were talking about, we were, I mean, we were talking about this in the episode. It's, it's still a concern for people. And so I do know that there is that extra attention being given to that sentiment, which is why there are such Um, or a part of why there are such vibrant um, virtual opportunities Um, also because people are coming from all over the world and financially that's not always feasible. Um, So kudos to them for providing those opportunities. But even in person, I know it's something that is on their minds because we all experience it differently. And, you know, some people might be more comfortable and more eager to get back to these large scale events and other people might be excited and eager, but more hesitant. And that is so totally fair. It'd be very interesting. For sure. I think that the overwhelm is probably on both sides, as we heard in the episode from Mm -hmm. Pam and Alan. We have to feel comfortable as a people, again, being around each other and being in human connection, which is so strange as that's the whole premise of our work. But, you know, it is. It's, It's something that we're having to navigate. But being somebody that is planning such a big event, I can only imagine how much overwhelm that week before uh, registration open was, or even until conference. Like you have to wait and make sure that you are meeting certain markers, making sure that everything that you've done to think through programming, think through participation and engagement, uh, to think through venues and Mm -hmm. all of those things are worth it and received well by the intended audience. I can imagine everyone just holding their breath (laughs) (laughs) until they feel like they've met those markers and hopefully they do because so much work goes into planning that we as attendees would never realize. Yeah, it's a really big feat. And, you know, there is, of course, a a committee of people organizing it, but that's still huge. It's a huge task. And I can imagine each individual person, I mean, speaking from my own experience of, of planning regional conferences, which are like a smidgen of the scale of what we are going to experience, it takes up a lot of brain space. Like you said, you're thinking about all those elements, little things pop up here and there and you're like, oh, did we think about this? Did we think about that? And so I can imagine that it's going to take up lots of brain space now through to even following Congress because there's lots of things during um, the actual event that are going to be, you know, there's teams of people who are going to be working hard while we're all there to make sure that our experiences are fabulous um, and then wrapping up and getting all the feedback and all of the logistics that come with closing an event like that. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be taking some brain space for a while, but 
I anticipate it will be very well worth it. Big kudos to all of the planning committee. Yes. It's incredible the way that we as a profession are able to pivot, but also just have genuine concern for everyone's well-being. And I think that's why I love being a part of who we are. It's it's really great, which I think feeds well into the next episode that we had with Wellington Music Therapy, the concern and empathy and attention to the needs of others really resonated with me in how they talked about the practice they've created. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's everything that they are doing is, there's a lot of innovation in there too. And a lot of like you said, attention to needs um, and awareness. Uh, And sometimes when we create a business or when we create something that's outside of ourselves, there's a lot, very similar to planning a Congress, there's a lot of attention of various details, things that need to go into it and a lot that can be missed. And I think what they talk a lot about is kind of stripping things back to our humanness and really paying attention to that, to that unique authenticity that everyone on their team and everyone that they work with brings and paying attention to those needs, paying attention to equity uh, so that everyone can engage in their practice and get what they need from it. And just that unique lens of how they choose to ed- uh, to advocate with all of that in mind gave me a lot of food for thought because, I mean, you and I have talked so much about advocacy and and we do it in a lot of different ways. And I think in the past year, I've been starting to have a lot of these conversations with people about, okay, well, what is the intention behind our advocacy? You know, I think we're often driven by this. I want everyone to know what music therapy is and I want it to be a very familiar type of therapy that everyone is aware of, but there's so much more that goes into it. And advocating for the profession includes advocating for the people that we work with and the people that are working us as therapists. I don't know if this is too controversial for the podcast. Say it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally hear that thought. And I think it's so relevant right now. And over the past few years, there's been conversation around how we celebrate the profession of music therapy and how we're advocating for music therapy and acknowledging the harm Mm. that, you know, not being equitable within our practice and not being attentive to the needs of the people that we're serving has caused. We've seen this in many instances, but I think a conversation that has come up quite a bit recently has been around the disability day of mourning and the World Music Therapy Day or World um, or Music Therapy Month in Canada and how everything overlaps and how we're paying homage mm-hmm. and supporting the needs of our community of, of people that we work with on a regular basis. How are we showing up for them and the tragedies that that community has had to endure? One of the big things that happened over the past few years where the conversations that the World Federation of Music Therapy were having and how a shift needed to happen, listening to those voices. And they decided to change World Music Therapy Day to 
World Music Therapy Week. And instead of it being on the March 1st date, it's now in April. And so these conversations continue, even though that change was made, which I think is a fabulous uh, just recognition of listening to a community in need. But you know, that's just a, a fundamental first step is that we should be listening <laughs> anyway and learning how to best support people. And I know that there are a wide range of experiences and emotions around how to best meet someone that is grieving. Right. Uh, and that's something that we do within our work. Anyway, I feel like it's something that we need to highlight just the other day in a session we did this activity where everyone was letting me know how they were feeling coming into the session, doing a little bit of, you know, just getting a base reading of how we were coming into session, how we were entering session. And, and one of the little boys came in and he said to me, you know, I'm feeling both excited and sad. Some of the other members in the group were like, what, how can you feel both excited and sad? And, you know, I had to explain that sometimes opposite emotions can coexist in the same moment. Sometimes we can hold space for two different emotions. I feel like we do that already as music therapists. If we're doing any kind of group work, there's never going to be two people that feel the same or two people that enter the same. And so we're trained to be aware of that and to notice that and to support that journey in those people. And I feel like kind of there's that parallel of what we're doing within our work and how we need to show up to something like this that's happening in the real world, where there is a day where tragedy is being honored, where grieving is happening. At the same time, we are honoring our profession and the wonderful work that it is doing across Canada and the work of the music therapists that have, they've gone through a long process to get where they were and to build up the expertise that they have in this area, but that doesn't negate from, you know, real world challenges and things that should still hold, we should still hold space for. I completely agree, Haley. I think there is this massive duality between, well, yeah, the emotions that we experience at once. Often we as humans are feeling more than one emotion at once. And often we are juggling a billion different things in our lives. Um, and you know, that duality between being able to celebrate our profession and celebrate the work that we have therapists have done and carve out time to, um, you know, talk about it with people and get to share these stories and get to invite people into the music therapy community while also making that very intentional shift away from putting all of that attention on the day of, of mourning, uh, it's important. It's important to be able to say, okay, yeah, we can hold space for both because we as a community want to support this community because we have lots of people that we work with who have experienced that and who are in mourning and who are grieving and who are feeling very heavy things. And also we're here with you to support you through that, how we can with what our scope of practice is. Um, so I, I remember that 
conversation happening. And I remember there being lots of confusion amongst a lot of the field, I think, because I mean, there's, there's different recognition days pretty much every day because there's just so much in the world and so much to acknowledge. And not that I'd say there was pushback, but I think it was just confusion of people being like, well, is what is this going to do? What is the hope? What is the purpose here? And highlighting the fact that you know, by having world music therapy on this day, we might be taking away or we might be overshining when it's such a simple fix to be able to say, oh, we'll just switch it here. We'll still celebrate. We'll still advocate. We'll still see the connection. But this moment, this this day needs to be a little bit more sacred. And so I think that that, like you said, I think it really highlights the connection of just listening to the people that we come into contact with, um, listening to their stories and holding space for that. And, you know, earlier I had said um, that the work that the Wellington Music Therapy team that they're doing is so innovative. And I think it is, but at the same time, you know, I'm kind of taking that back in my head because I'm thinking of the fact that maybe it shouldn't be as innovative. Um, It it is just a a basic fact that we should be listening and including people and having that perspective. You know, we all come to the world with our own lenses and a lot of the work that we do, not only as therapists, but just as people is we need to be unpacking all of these things that we've learned and looking at our lived experiences and being in connection with other people to inform a wider worldview. It's such a, a basic element and it's nice to see that we're able to have these conversations to be able to, to bring those pieces up and to highlight perhaps places that we're not recognizing that maybe we're not listening or we're not as equitable or we're not as open. Yeah. I think you got it exactly. It's like listening. That should just be something that we're doing. <laughs> it should be something that's a part of how we operate And it's funny that this is such a profound skill that people are just now taking note of in an intentional way, Mm -hmm. like you said. That's not to say that we haven't been in the past. I just think that we haven't been as intentional about it. And in every situation where we encounter some sort of difference or some sort of repercussion of a decision that we make, we then have to figure out how to move forward and how to respond. And in this instance, the World Federation of Music Therapy did, they changed when this profession would be observed on a global scale. I don't know if that's the answer for every kind of conflict that we have, because I think at some point we have to learn to to live with that duality of holding space for different emotions and different experiences. Was it a great move in this circumstance? I think it was a great move. Yeah. Um, So it's very circumstantial as well, but I think it's okay sometimes to just sit with that duality and be okay. Even in music therapy sessions, I think that you and I have talked quite a bit about how sometimes family members come into sessions and they're like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, my mom or dad is feeling really sad right now. Let's play something happy. And I'm like, you know, no, let's sit with this Mm -hmm. for a minute. They might feel happy in in two minutes (laughs) or they might, you know, just need a time to process what's happening for them right now. How do we do that? within our spaces, within the things that we have the power to show up in, in support and in connection and in love and in allyship. I think that Wellington Music Therapy does a really great job 
at thinking about their practice as this strength-based practice, not only within their facilities and with their within their advocacy, uh, but also within their team. Yeah. And Mary really talked about how the power dynamics that she held as um, the business owner really came into play where she, you know, had to come to the realization that release of control was necessary in order for the business to move forward and to grow because there were people on her team that had skill sets that she didn't have and being able to trust somebody to be able to do certain things that you're not great at or that would continue to perpetuate certain ideals. It's a big step to be able to do something like that and to create space. That's hard. As a business owner, I mean, as anyone who's needing to delegate, if you have a, if you have something that you're so passionate about and you love and you've been working on it, and then you're inviting other people into the dialogue, relinquishing that, you know, that power, that responsibility or whatever it is, can be really hard. Trusting someone can be really hard. And it takes, it takes a, a lot of self-awareness, which Mary definitely has, it takes a lot of a leap of faith and a lot of bravery because you have to trust not only the people that you're bringing in to the, um, to the business or to whatever it is you're doing, but you need to trust yourself to be able to actually take that step back. And I know for her, she's, you know, we were talking about, um, one of their committees and she's like, I don't even actually sit on it. Like I've got nothing to do with this. This is all Trina. And I'm like, good for you. Because so often, you know, we want to see that change and we want to invite people into the conversation because we want that variety of perspectives and voices and the skill sets. Like we can't do it all. We simply cannot, but it can be really hard. You know, we want, we, we check in or we oversee and we might step on toes or we might change the, the atmosphere uh, by inserting ourselves. So it does take a lot of self-awareness and a lot of a commitment to your mission and the mission that you're, well, their mission that they're creating collectively as a team and with their participants. So it was beautiful to hear them talk about it. And even, I mean, we're fortunate to get to do these on Zoom so we can see the facial expressions and just the pure, yeah, the deep trust and alignment towards a common goal and common vision. It is really special. I think that more practices should adopt that framework in general. And I know that we at Synergy also try to, to have that kind of structure within our practice. But I think what you said about actually trusting yourself to step aside can be the challenging part. It's not that you don't trust other people to do the, the work. It's just that switch of turning your brain off when you no longer have that task on your plate. Yeah. It's as a business owner, and I think in in upcoming episodes, we will revisit this kind of topic. It's hard for you to shut off as a business owner, yeah. thinking about all of the pieces <laughs> that will make the puzzle. It's a blessing when you are able to have that and you are able to put your trust in other people to take the reins on something that maybe you just, you don't have the skill set for, or you don't have the time for, but there's always that business owner, like the angel and the devil. There's like the <laughs> yeah. angel that's like, yes, take it. <laughs> we appreciate you for being a part of this team and the skill set that you bring. And then there's the little other side that's like, your mind is constantly on this conveyor belt of all of the things that still need to get done. and 
what you need to check in on and what you need to oversee, but it's okay to turn that belt off sometimes and just let it be. Um, And I think that takes practice and lots of intention. I think that's a really great word we keep coming back to. So we talked about ending these episodes on a high note. (laughs) Do you have a high note for episode two, the conference uh, Congress episode? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think for me, for the Congress episode, it was just being there and somehow feeling the energy of of Pam and Alan and somehow the whole Congress, I just felt that through the screen. So my high note, I think, is just getting that behind the scenes snippet of what maybe we can expect. And yeah, hearing about the poster, I'm I'm hung up on the platform they're using for poster stuff. So stoked to see that come to light. What's yours? I'm looking forward to the joint experience of being in Vancouver and being around so many people from around the world. I cannot wait. What about the Wellington Music Therapy episode and advocacy and um, the way that diversity, equity, inclusion is just all throughout the fabric of their practice? I think it's that reminder that I personally got when we were just talking with them and, and that we were just talking about, you know, it's it's something that is in my mind and something that I'm aware of, but sometimes, you know, we get caught up in all of those check, check, check to do list things. And we forget to take that minute to step back and see the water picture and see who we're actually talking with. So I think that was my highlight from that. Um, my high note of just getting a moment to pause and reflect and to see how a practice that I'm really inspired by is doing their work so that I can, you know, take tidbits of that, not only for myself, but for synergy and for other ways that I interact um, in a leadership capacity, uh, especially as a white cisgender female, um, you know, just those different perspectives of how I can continue to grow. And also just getting to see Trina talk about advocacy on TikTok and her passion for that, because it is not, it's not something that everyone feels. And so that highlight of the different skill sets and really finding someone to slot into a role that maybe you're not as motivated to do gives me lots of hope. (laughs) A high note from the episode was actually not included in the (laughs) final cut (laughs) of our release. And it was just us candidly talking about TikTok trends that we enjoyed and revisiting the whole Wednesday dance that Trina did on TikTok. So fun. Every time, now that tune just comes back to my head every single time. I'll dance, dance, dance with my (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny how our brains do that. I had never heard that song before, but now it's forever connected with those set of dance moves all oh, the power of music <laughs> the power of music i think both episodes were fabulous and i'm so grateful to pam alan mary and trina for sitting down with us and having these conversations i'm sure at some point they will be back on the podcast to to talk about other things because they're all fabulous i think we should actually end on a high note i agree what do you think kim i agree highest note we can on the count of three see who goes where okay one two three (laughs) it is morning and block out the dogs (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Able Voice Podcast. 
want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.